Welcome to the Helping Families Be Happy podcast, where we explore the often messy world of family love and relationships. I am your host for this podcast, Dr. Carla Marie Manley, a practicing clinical psychologist, wellness expert, and author based in Sonoma County, California. I've teamed up with Familius Publishing to bring you nourishing real-life information about love, family, relationships, and life. And now I'm thrilled to introduce today's guest, Leah Day, who will be talking with us about her book, Changing Gears. Hello, Leah, and welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure. So tell me a little bit about what makes you, you. Wow. That is a very big question. (laughs) Very big. Yeah. What makes me me? Well, I'll tell you this. I have been a social worker for much of my adult life for the last 25 years, actually, as well as being the mother of four children, as well as being an an avid outdoor adventurer. And I would say what makes me me is I feel like at this stage in my life, I kind of brought all three together and kind of combined my interest in mental health with my love of the outdoors and the love of my children. So currently that's what makes me me. That is beautiful. Four, four kids, 25 years as a social worker and a lover of the outdoors. Amazing. What a, what a wonderful combination. It's fun. So when you look at how you've brought all of those three pieces, you know, some of the, the larger pieces of what makes you you, into, you know, a lovely combination. And it sounds like possibly the book that we're going to be exploring today, Changing Gears. Is it a tale about about that, about bringing three aspects of your life into one? Yes, very much. Ah, so tell me a little bit more. Well, in my, as, as a mother, I, I guess I have to tell you a little bit about my journey as a mother. I have two biological children and two adopted children. Mm. And we've always been a very cohesive family unit. But my youngest child did does struggle with kind of fitting into the con the confines of mainstream society. He's he's impulsive, he's very energetic. He often, well, this is impulsivity, but he thinks before doing, he's sort of like I liken him to a greyhound dog that's like chink, chasing a blinking light. Um, he just can't stop. He can't stop looking for <laughs> So I, for years, you know, he was my fourth child and I thought I had the whole parenting thing down and then he came along and I just could not make his personality and who he was, who he is fit into these boxes that, that, that our culture mm. wanted him to fit into. And I didn't want to always be penalizing him for not being able to sit still or not being able to, you know, pay attention to the things other children did. So I decided to just take him out and we, I, I took him out when he was 16 and we decided to bike across the country together um, to learn some real life lessons and to kind of, yeah. The two of you. Yeah. The two of you, mom and son, 16 year old, biked across the country together. Yes. My, what a way to channel his amazing energy. Yeah. Yes, it was, a, it was an incredible experience. And we both learned so much, so many lessons along the way. Oh, so my heart is, is so happy for you and I have chills. So the book, Changing Gears, then, is that about this journey across the country? Well, it's about, it's about raising a, um, 
an unusual child as well as to travel across the country. So it's not just like a memoir of a biking expedition. It's about what led us to that point and about how when you're raising a child, you know, not there's not one way to do it. There's not one correct way to raise a child. You have to find what works for each individual. So absolutely. And that makes so much sense because every child is unique. And it sounds like you had three that marched to, you know, one drum. And then you have this other one who marches to an entirely different trombone, not even a drum. (laughs) He's off doing his own thing. And to be able to have to do that, that dramatic shift, you know, as you say, the changing gears and what an enormous shift to choose to pull him out of school and take his education literally on the road. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it really, it worked for him because the, the education you get through outdoor adventure, I feel like is so it's metaphorical and it's also really tangible. You know, all these, all these little lessons along the way that he really needed to learn. Like what happens if you get so angry at your bike that you throw it off the embankment? It's not going to work out. You're going to wait. You're going to have to get your bike. You're going to have to fix your, like, there's all these little things. I mean, that's, that's sort of a huge example, but, or, or think about going up a huge mountain. Yeah. You get tired. Yeah. It's really hard. And yes, you really want to quit, but if you do any of those things, you're never going to get to the top and you're never going to get to get to the, where you actually do get to take a break and where you get to celebrate your victory. So Mm. That was a lot. Did he actually throw his bike off the embankment at one point? <laughs> no, he didn't do that. But we definitely <laughs> had times like he does get very angry because he's impulsive, you know, so it's emotions hit him strongly. And he would definitely do things like chuck his bike down on the side of the road. And you just wait like, OK, I'll sit on the curb until you pick your bike up and dust yourself off. Don't keep going. So he got to kind of start to learn to regulate himself in that way. That's it. I, I can just envision it, how you used each each life lesson, each each moment as as an opportunity, the bigger ones, right? To say, wait, this is a teachable moment. I'm not going to react. We're just gonna find the we're gonna find the lesson here. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest, I did react. I'm just a person. I wasn't always sort of sitting there thinking, you know, thinking my therapeutic thoughts. Yeah, because I was learning too. I was learning that this is hard and it's but it's worth it. My goodness, what, and so it was just the two of you. Do you have a a partner, a life partner who was helping you in any way or was this just you? I have a partner. I have a, my husband, we've been married for 25 years and he was just great. He's, he's very supportive in so many different ways. And he was, he stayed home to make the money to, (laughs) to allow us to have such a great adventure. And he did come visit us for one week in the middle. And that was very interesting too, because it shifted that dynamic so much. But yeah, he was wonderful. We we did talk every night on the phone. And this is just a funny little thing. One day I did get lost and he was tracking me on his phone that day. He happened, he was having lunch here in Maine and he looked down on his phone and he could see me on this little, oh, what do you call it? Geo, you can see a location on my location. He saw that I'd gone the wrong way. And he called me in a frantic, you know, you're going south on the Mississippi River. You need to head north. So anyway, he was very involved, <laughs> but he wasn't with us. Yeah. He was watching you from afar. He was. A gardening, garden. I was going to say a gardening angel, but he was a guardian, guardian. angel yeah. for yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. So please tell me the starting point and the ending point, not, you know, geographically, not, not emotionally or psychologically. 
We started in Astoria, Oregon. Okay. Um, and we biked to um, Yorktown, Virginia. Ah. Yeah. Astoria, Oregon to Yorktown, Virginia. Yes. How many miles? Oh, nearly 4,300. 4,300 miles. Okay. Big questions. What was the most difficult moment? And what was the most joyful moment? Oh my gosh, there were so many, both of those. Yes, you know? that's right. It's a difficult question, isn't it? I would almost say that the two things go hand in hand because the most difficult moments ended up being the most joyful moments because you get through them. So the two you can't have, they're right, like, you know, they're right next to each other all the time. I would say the most difficult moment, honestly, he, we were coming out of the Rocky Mountains. We had this big descent. And as we were going down, it was a very narrow road and a truck almost hit him. Oh, I would say, I mean, that's emotionally the most difficult time, um, but it does have joy in it. So we were going down this very steep, narrow road and I heard a truck, Jake, breaking behind us. And I looked back and I saw it and I couldn't get off the road because it was just sand on the side. So I yelled to Oakley, I'm slowing to stop because I could just get out of the way. I wanted to give this truck room. Oakley was looking back at the same time as I did. And the, the truck was making so much noise. He didn't hear me yell that. So when I stopped, he hit me and he crashed in front of the truck. And it was oh very, very scary. The truck had to, you know, put on its brakes and he was okay. But we were very, very shaken. So here's the joyful part. After we collected ourselves, we made our way. And that night we did choose to stay in a hotel. We very rarely stayed in hotels, but I was like, you know what? We're going to hit a hotel tonight, regroup. And I called my husband and I said, wow, you know, this happened. And my husband was very rattled. And he said, you know, you've done enough. You've gone over the Rockies. It's time to come home. If you want to come home, you've done it. You, you can be proud. You can both be proud. Mm -hmm. And I turned to Oakley and I said, after I got thrown, I said, so I need to ask you, Papa says that he thinks that we've done enough and we should come home. And it was just this huge, it was a huge moment for Oakley because he looked at me like I was crazy. And he was just oh. There's not, I'm not quitting. Like that's not, he doesn't understand. This is, this is so important. And we, of course, we're going to keep going. And so I think it was in that moment, that joy of realizing that he was in, in this so deeply and that he was having this huge growth experience and there was no quitting. And this, so yeah, most difficult and most joyful to see how committed he was in that moment. You are absolutely right. The the fear and the joy were inextricably intertwined, yeah. weren't they? Oh, that's a gorgeous example. Gave me tears. Wow. As as a, you know, as a mom and and as for you as a cyclist, what a frightening moment hmm. that would be, right? Yeah. Yeah. Very frightening. Oh. Gosh, my heart is with you. Oh my goodness. So how about one more moment? Maybe not quite as intense. Yeah, for sure, Matt, yeah. Um, well, let me see. Um, a big struggle. Oh, okay. So on the, um, right near the end, the last mountain range we had to cross were the Appalachian Mountains <laughs> coming into in Virginia. And we got up, we, we were climbing up. We had to climb our last ascent and it was pouring rain and it was very, very steep and it was very, very cold. And we were, we had been camping under a little pavilion, a little, you know, like where you might have a picnic. And we had to step out from that dry pavilion into the pouring rain for our last ascent. 
And we started going up and it was so wet and so cold and so steep. And I literally thought I was going to have a heart attack. And I was in good shape by then because I just got across the country. I was like, oh my goodness, this is so difficult. And when we got to the top, the wind was blowing and I got a little hypothermic. And I, this is, it's the same thing, the joy and the fear. I was very, very cold. And I said to my son, I'm very cold. And he said, oh, I'm cold too. And I said, no, I'm, I'm too cold. And I saw this shift in him and he was like, okay, I'm going to, and this is a child with all these issues coming into this. He said, I'm going to get us off this mountain. We're going to be okay. And it was again, like right at the end. And and he really did. He just stepped up and he had me, he he was biking 10 feet in front of me. And I just followed behind him until we got to a truck and the truck actually took off, off us off the mountain. But for me, I felt extreme joy that he was taking care of me and becoming a man. Because he was actually turning to me and saying, now I'm going to take care of you in this last moment. He led you. He He led me. Oh, that is, what a beautiful, beautiful metaphor for, you know, a transformation in a child, right? That he was able to shift from from being behind you to actually leading you and taking care of you. My goodness. You know, when... Familius, the publisher that of your book, I, I really love their values. And, and when we look at, you know, some of their core values, their nine healthy habits, mm-hmm. families that love together, play together, learn together, work together, talk together, heal together, read together, eat together, laugh together. It sounds as if your journey incorporated all of those elements in, yeah. into it. Amazing. Yeah. It really did. Now, of those, just digressing, you know, for, for a minute, of those habits in your journey, was there one or two, I didn't expect you to remember them all, but was there one or two, it almost sounds to me like the playing together, the learning together and the working together might have been possibly three of the biggest forces in your journey, learning, playing and working. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Can I, I watch, I wish I could like, I was looking at them all. Um, but yes. Yeah. I think that they, because everything we, yeah, just to get through every day. I mean, Oakley, we had, we divided our work into um, different tasks, different responsibilities. And every night, no matter what he put up the tent um, while I cooked dinner. So you just, you really, you rely on each other's work. And so I think for him, that gave him a huge sense of responsibility, which I think is so important for teenagers to feel like they're important. And their contribution is valid and important. And I was exhausted and I was so happy when he would work and set up that tent. So it wasn't a made up task. It was real work, working together and playing together. Yeah, we had to be everything for each other. Everybody, I was playmates and um, we would read together. I would read out loud to him every night in the tent because there were no computers or phones or we just, you know, that's what we did for hours. So there was just, yeah, we'd swim together. So yeah, and learning we would study those maps and, and, and you learn so much about this country on a bicycle. I mean, of course you do, but the, the speed at which the land changes and the different communities you go through and the different cultures you experience, it was, we were both learning side by side for sure. I can't even imagine it's enough, you know, to go through a variety of, you know, cities and states by car, right? Or by bus or by train, but really slowing it down and going through 
on bicycle, where you're, you're smelling, you're feeling, you're seeing it at a very different place and pace everything that's happening around you. Yeah. 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 Gorgeous. I think also the, one of the things that we learned together that was a beautiful thing was that um, as we crossed the country, people were so kind to us. And it was something that we both, you know, we were scared to, to just sort of embrace this unknown, what was going to happen three months. And every place we went, people would offer us water or food or a place that, you know, I could sleep in the church basement or the firehouse or people would stop and give him snacks unbelievable kindness and so that was fun to experience with him too because we were both awestruck by that a lot that's beautiful the the natural kindness of others is amazing so what was the most interesting place you slept wow well okay a firehouse sounds pretty fun firehouse was really i think he loved the firehouse a lot because Every boy's dream, right? He was sleeping under the fire trucks. And all through Kentucky and Missouri, they let you sleep in the local firehouses. Totally trust that you're not going to do any mischief. You just sleep amongst the fire trucks. So. I love that. Now, what states was that again? What what states? Like Southern, like Kentucky, um, Missouri, mm, Illinois. Okay. We know which states to go to if we want to sleep under fire trucks. Exactly. Yeah. They were really great about it. But we went, we our favorite place to sleep. We stayed in a town called Wisdom, Wisdom, Montana. It was just an old, a tiny little town, probably had 79 people living in it. We came out, it was, it was on the Northern part of the Rockies. When you come out into down into this town and we slept out in this, in this field of grass and there are coyotes chortling and there were um, cows lowing and the stars were magnificent. And it was August and it frosted that night, just our, it was already like so cold there at night. And we, we went into some, like the one bar in town we went in cause we thought they might have something to eat. And we stopped in this, this little, it was like a cafe and they're making homemade pizza. And I'm telling you the whole town came into that little cafe and even a dog wandered in and peed on the floor while we were eating <laughs> our It was just such a sweet feeling. And everybody was just hanging out and talking and then to leave that cozy little cafe and go out with the coyotes and the cows. I think that was our favorite. It was just beautiful. Oh, that sounds magical. Yeah, it was. Magical. Yeah. And you said that people were just gave incredible kindness, mm-hmm. whether it was snacks or another act of, of kindness. What was, what was one or what were a few of your favorite acts of kindness? Wow. It was, uh, the kindness was just astounding everywhere we went. And, and, and like I said, a lot of, a lot of it was just opening up their backyards to us or whatever, but a couple of times our bikes did break down and we needed to get help. Then we would have to hitchhike to the local bike store. And those people that we met that would pick us up often had these like these words of wisdom that they would share with us. And they didn't even realize that they were having sharing words of wisdom. But that was, ah, that was just a, there were incredibly kind words from those people. And at, at one point, one man, I don't know, drove us 40 miles out of his way because the bike store was in the opposite direction. It was just so kind. And he didn't, he was just like, what else? What better thing do I have to do with my day than to take oh. you guys back to this bike store? So, you know, there are big acts like that. And then there were, you know, someone pulled over and asked my son what he was doing, you know, 
with all these bags on his bike and he told her and she took $20 out of his her pocketbook and said, you just need to eat more. Like just oh. so, yeah, it, it, so much. Yeah. Such oh, a- I absolutely, what, what, what a magical, magical journey. Yeah. And I just can't imagine how much it not only transformed your son's life, but how it's transformed your world, your inner world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because I talk a lot about him and about doing this for him, but I obviously wanted to do it too. And I was having a lot of, a lot of, I was going through a lot of growth myself, a a lot of, you know, every day when you do something like this, you fling yourself into the unknown every day, you never know where you're going to end up. And you do have to rely on the kindness of others. And you do have to trust that, you know, I don't know, you're just going to keep going and you're going to get to where you're going. Yeah. it's, It's hard to explain, but it was a big, you have to overcome a lot of sort of demons to say, okay, I'm just going to do it every day. You know, I'm going to get up that hill. To be fair, I can't imagine myself doing it. So all I can do is sit here in awe at your courage and your strength. I, I can't even imagine doing it, much less wanting to do it. So <laughs> good for you. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So when you look at the self-growth, right, your own evolution, is there one particular part of you that grew more than other parts? Besides my thighs? (laughs) Um, I think, yes, I think that it was, it's very, it's very much about, about fear. I mean, there's a lot of things in my life that, you know, I, I am an adventurer. I like to do a lot of things in the outdoors, but I can get intimidated easily. For an example, I hate public speaking. I've hated it for my, my whole life, very intimidated. I used to even like choose, choose to fail a class because I would not want to public speak. Mm-hmm. And then I, like, I would be like, I'm not going, I'm not public speaking. And then I got back. And the first thing that happened is that my, the community I live in was like, oh, you need to come give a talk at the local library. And I was like, oh, geez, really? But then, you know, I thought if I can bike across the country and get up all those mountains, I can public speak. It's going to be just fine. And I yes, feel like you can. That, yeah. And it's this, that's, that, that, that affects every part of my life now. I mean, it's still, it's every day. I think that way, like something I'll be like, oh, I don't want to go for a run. Leah, you biked across the country. You can go for a run. Oh, I don't want to, whatever it happens to be. Just, of course I can. Of course I can. It's just about deciding that you can and you can. Brilliant. Brilliant. Not only did you bike across the country, but you biked across the country with a 16-year-old in tow. <laughs> That's kudos to you. Yeah. My goodness. So as we prepare to wrap up our really wonderful time together, there are one, I just don't want to give too much away of the book. So are there maybe one or two more things you'd like to share with our listeners today? I mean, some of this just, it sounds corny, but it's also true. But I just feel like I do believe that, you know, things that can appear to be your greatest challenge are actually um, an invitation to find your greatest strength and to, and to, and to gain your biggest triumph. My child was, was, it was difficult. I mean, we didn't do this because everything was peachy keen. We did this because we needed a change and we embraced the fact that it was, that we had a challenge look where it got us, you know? So I just feel like, and maybe this is a therapist and me talking, but I feel like it's, if you can just be sort of value driven 
and decide like family's important. You do what you have to do for your family, put that on the top and it's going to, it's going to lead you where you need to go. Or if it's, or if it's, if your value is experiencing the outdoors, listen to that and do it and you're going to feel better. So I feel like that's really what the book is to me the most about like finding out what is going to bring you the most strength and joy and just going for it despite being afraid, despite, you know, being wary and uncomfortable that it's okay to be uncomfortable. I, maybe that's a big thing to be uncomfortable. Be uncomfortable. Yeah. Follow your bliss and move through those fears. My <laughs> goodness. Have, do you have that down? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my goodness, Leah, thank you so much for being with us today. Where can our listeners find you? Well, I've kept a blog called Bike Mom, Mum, B-I-K-E-M-U-M for a little bit more than two years, it kind of chronicles not only this bike journey, but sort of my ongoing adventures with parenting and using the outdoors. And yeah, I also, I don't know, should I tell you my email too? You can, if anything you tell us goes public. So if you want sure. listeners to be able to email you, fire Absolutely. away. <laughs> Absolutely. So my email is Leah Day, L-E-A-H-D-A-Y, um, L-C-S-W at gmail.com. Um, Got it. Yeah, if you want to connect with me that way, that would be great. And I also, when I came back from this trip, I stopped practicing social work and opened a bike store. So I give bike tours now. <laughs> My son and I have a bike store called Lighthouse Bikes. Lighthouse. So, now, is this you and Oakley? Hmm. You yes. and Oakley have a bike store, Lighthouse Bikes. Yes. Okay, city and state, please. Lighthouse Bikes, uh, Portland.com. And we give tours of the coast of Maine for people. Okay, Lighthouse Bikes, Portland.com, bike tours of the coast. Now, that might be something I could do. I could get behind that. You might find me in, okay. in your right. bike store someday. It's a lot of fun. And it's bike tours for people who might be intimidated by biking. So we're not doing 100-mile days. We're talking about a 15-mile ride. Nice and gentle. Looking nice and gentle. Mm-hmm. Okay. So just to recap, this is Leah Day, L-E-A-H, Day, D-A-Y. And you can find her blog at Bike Mum. B-I-K-E-M-U-M. And you can find her bike store at lighthousebikesportland.com. And remember her book, Changing Gears, will be out in May 2022. So look for that life-changing book. Again, it's Changing Gears. So thank you again, Leah. It has been such a joy to spend time with you today. Thank you very, very much. And as we conclude today's podcast, I'd like to thank Familius Publishing for their support in bringing this podcast to your ears and your heart. We'd be thrilled if you'd subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review on iTunes and social media. If you'd like more wonderful Familius content, be sure to visit us at Familius.com, where you will find our Habit Hub blog, as well as a spectacular selection of books for families. One step at a time, we can make the world a happier place. Thank you for sharing your time with me, Dr. Carla Marie Manley. It's been a joy and a true pleasure. Be well and shine, 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 as only you can do.